I haven't counted them, but I think we have about five or six more services together. And I hope that after last Sunday you feel very comfortable and very happy about how the church will be after those six services. The song that uh, John sang brought up this question of the holy relationship. And in A Course in the Miracles, there is a great deal addressed to the fact that the Ark of Peace is entered two by two, and statements similar to that. And many people do feel excluded because they define what that means. They decide that this means it must be a romantic relationship with someone of the opposite sex and within a very narrow age limit, only so much older, only so much younger, and a hundred other restrictions about finances and uh, agreement on spiritual hotspots and this is Santa Fe cooling off or heating up? What's happening? And of course it doesn't mean that at all. I'm not sure what we will entitle this talk. I haven't talked to David uh, yet about it. I don't know if we have a talk entitled Walking Home. But that's what we'll be talking about. We may, If we already have a talk entitled that, we may change that slightly. That's what I thought we could talk about this morning. This is what you have longed so long to do. If you could only see for just an instant how much and for how long you have wanted to go home to God 99% of your problems would be wiped away just in one sweep. And so as we, as Gail and I close our part in this church, our physical part in this church, because I'm going to come back and visit and drop in and so forth. Because we have, uh, as I've told you, my mom lives here and we have lots of friends here, so we'll be back. But as our weekly participation draws to a close, I would like to be very direct with you in these last services. If you could only see how long you have wanted to walk into the arms of God. This is what you have always wanted. And this little church has given you an opportunity. There are many, many, many opportunities, but surely this is one of them. And so don't miss it. Quietly and uneventfully walk home. It's very difficult to walk home unless you walk home quietly and uneventfully. Many people, as you know, are trying to walk home with a great show of fireworks with many problems, dark nights of the soul that they can talk about for weeks, cocktail parties, or not cocktail parties, at uh, what, uh, potlucks, right. (laughs) Meatless whole wheat potlucks. (laughs) 
And if it's not the dark night of the soul, uh, then it's uh, the new power that they've suddenly developed while giving massages. <laughs> How many good massage people have we lost in this town because they suddenly became spiritual and they spend half an hour on your third eye and all you want is your neck loosened. <laughs> all this is unnecessary, my friends. It is not necessary that you become different in order to walk home. As a matter of fact, you can walk home far more quickly and easily if you will not become different in any way, not in your vocabulary or in the length of your stare. <laughs> or in the casual way you lay back in the chair and show everyone that it doesn't matter. Nothing has to happen in order for you to walk home except for you to make the decision. And so be very direct with yourself. Be very direct with yourself now in your prayers. The time has come for you to speak in a straightforward and simple way to yourself. So when you pray, you know now what to pray for. It is certainly not anything in the world. It's certainly not any change in the world. You pray simply that this day you will do all that you can, the best that you can, every minute that you remember. To accept God in your heart. To accept peace and gentleness. So what is a holy relationship? It is the place on this earth where a part of God steps forward, holds out his hand, and leads you home. That's all a holy relationship is. It's the first place you begin to see the face of Christ. And that can be any place you wish it to be. The Course makes that clear. What happens is that people translate that statement into thinking, well, I can marry anybody I want to. I can forestall a divorce. I can get so-and-so to not leave town or to move into town or to move into my apartment. And of course, it has nothing to do with that. And you know it has nothing to do with that. So do not feel left out. Where can God step forward and welcome you, even in this world? I'm not kidding you when, I've seen, when I tell you I've seen this happen, even with a dog. I've seen people who have seen Christ in a dog, and that's the first place they saw Christ. Or perhaps it's with the, the relative who now must live in the back part of your house because there's no place else for this person to go, and so you've taken them in. And this seems like such a burden. Right there, God can step forward, take you by the hand, and lead you home. Perhaps it's in your child or low even in your spouse. So let's talk a little bit about this walking home uneventfully. I promised you that uh, when we were talking about the body and illness and so forth that I would touch on depression, and I didn't get to it. So let's talk about depression along with sadness, confusion, disappointment, those, those things. 
Because this is one of the things, and perhaps the primary thing, that has turned you back to the world for so very, very, very long. You get discouraged, and you turn back to the world. And that is why I've said that discouragement is love of the ego. It is love of the world. It is a turning away from God and a love of the world. Of course you love the world. Of course you love your ego. It is fine to see that that remains a fact. And then to slowly begin altering that fact. So one of the things you do not have to do is to play around with sadness and depression and discouragement. Confusion is another matter, and I'll get to it in just a moment. <laughs> These are not quite all the, the same thing, but never is it a virtue to be sad. There's nothing wrong with it. It is innocent. But at this particular period, it is being held up as a virtue. People are being urged to be sad. There is a general belief that you must first be sad before you can be compassionate. How silly that is. And so as you begin to approach home, as you begin to feel the presence of God, even the slightest little bit, you indeed will have moments of sadness. You'll have the almost periods of grief. You'll wonder what they are all about. It may be grief that you suddenly see that you are not your body. Maybe you suddenly have grief because you suddenly see that the world simply isn't going to work. It's just not going to work. It's too bad. And you feel sad. Recognize that the sadness does not come from your father. Your father is welcoming you home. He is whistling a happy tune. He is telling you to skip and jump and shout, but not to be sad. There is nothing to be sad about from waking up from a, from a dream of disaster. This long, long, long dream of disaster has come in so many ways. There's nothing sad about that. There's nothing sad about your growing ability to help people come with you quietly, uneventfully, even without their noticing who's doing it. There's nothing sad about that. There's nothing sad about the fact that we have not managed to change reality. That the peace of God is yours and mine. That joy is our inheritance. There's nothing sad about that. So sadness comes from the ego. So it's all right. You find yourself suddenly sad because something doesn't, isn't the way you thought it was. But don't dive into it. Don't sit down in it and pull it around you as if it's some sort of spiritual virtue and attach names to it like Dark Night of the Soul. <laughs> This is not part of your way home. This is a little, at, at best, a little rest stop. But if you'll look around, there are a lot of cans and papers strewn all over the rest stop. So as quickly as possible, move on towards happiness. When you feel joy, when you feel a deep, deep peace, you are back on the path. In the King James Version of the Bible, there is a phrase that has stayed with us 
Well, as a matter of fact, this is spoken of more than once. But the general image is that the path is straight and narrow. And those of you who have many different translations realize that this is just one translation of that passage and that it is not always translated that way. It is especially not translated in the way that we have come to use the word narrow. The truth is, in the way we use the words today, the path is indeed straight, but it is not narrow. There is no sacrifice. There is no sadness. There is no need to give up anything that you truly value, that you really want. Not in the least. It is so broad that there are a thousand, a million, even billions of ways home. Jordan uh, All of you have been around little babies. It's so funny how they try to join. They want to join. They want to feel a oneness. And you can see their little attempts to do this. And they're just so wonderful. One of the first attempts is, of course, that they spit the food over everywhere. And they look at you for a wonderful response. They think this is just wonderful because they discover it. It's new and different, and uh, it's a way of joining. Many people don't realize this. <laughs> I'm not saying that you must encourage this, uh, but you can see that that. Um, Jordan recently has started pointing at things. He points at everything. The minute he gets up, you walk, you know, you walk in there, and he's up, and suddenly he's. Pointing, pointing. Evidently, he was Babe Ruth in his last line. So, no. <laughs> um, and uh, it's just a way of joining. He wants you to comment on it. Wall, wall, uh-huh. plaster wall, ceiling, ceiling, ah, ceiling, <laughs> sky. He just thinks this is wonderful. He always has a point, and then you do something, and he's got something going there. You see. <laughs> More recently, he started giving things to people. He just starts, a, it's sort of like a chain, a chain, you know, where there's a, well, all of you have laid adobes. Of course, you wouldn't be in this church. You wouldn't be <laughs> spiritual path and laid adobes. Well, you know how you hand adobe from one person to another. And uh, it's very important where on that line <laughs> as to how quickly you give out. Um, but anyway, so someone will just come in the house and he immediately starts getting things to give to them. Anybody who walks in the house a chair, placemat, toy, piece of lint on the floor, doesn't care, just Goes, gets it, hands it to the person. Of course, the person always says, thank you, because everybody understands what babies are doing in that respect. And he goes, uh, mm. <laughs> He feels very satisfied, and his mission is accomplished, and he immediately goes back and How many ways can you express love and joining? None of us do it the way the little baby does it. And yet it's a perfectly good way, isn't it? Perfectly good way. He loves to bury his food-covered face in your chest and rub it from side to side. (laughs) How many ways are there to express love to your friends? to your spouse if you have a spouse, to your employer. And yet we insist that we must express love in the ways we think are proper, the ways we would want it expressed to us. We don't look at the person and see what ways would they receive as love. 
how would they receive it? What would they consider love? Perhaps they would consider compliments love. Then compliment from your heart. Perhaps they are someone who would love to have attention lavished upon them. Then lavish attention upon them. Of course, this doesn't mean that you become manipulated or that you get yourself in some sort of fearful dynamic. Some people, it makes them very happy to go out in the evening and eat at a restaurant. Or just to eat. Lots of people, it makes them happy. You see. This is very important to people. There are many people whose only happy time in their childhood was while they were eating. This is a, this is a very interesting uh, common denominator among many, many people. That was the only happy times they had, was when they were eating. That's when they were cared for. That's when someone paid attention just, just to them. Put them in their little chair and wiped their little faces and, and said, mmm, mmm. Well, you said, mmm, mmm. So you see how broad the path is? The path is indeed love, isn't it? It's so broad. How many ways can you love? How many ways are people trying to love you that you have decided you simply can't accept that way? Possibly they compliment, possibly they compliment you. Then receive it with your heart. Of course you don't let it inflate your ego. Don't for a minute believe it. <laughs> <laughs> But see the intent behind it. Perhaps they want to give you an expensive gift. Perhaps they want to offer you money. I, I was very touched recently. I was, I was calling uh, a relative, uh, an in-law actually, and uh, this person said, uh, realized that, that we had just... Uh, we're in the process of moving and so forth. Do you need any money? I've just, uh, I've just come into a little extra money. Do you need any money? There was a time in my life I would have been slightly, I don't know what I would have felt by that question. I wouldn't have seen the gesture behind it. Maybe you take the money, maybe you don't take the money. That's not important. But to see the gesture. Even gossip is often an attempt, very often an attempt, that someone is making to join. They're saying, let's be close. Let's attack this other person together. <laughs> 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 so don't get stiff. We get so stiff all the time. Whenever your mind has gotten stiff, Something isn't going right. You're not doing it right. You just made a mistake. You're in a dangerous situation. You're in a situation that calls to your ego, whatever the thing may be. Notice that the mind immediately gets very stiff. So you'll do nothing more than relax your mind without doing anything else, not even taking a, not even breaking from the situation because maybe that's not even a possibility. Then God has a place to enter. You've opened your hand if you've opened your mind. If you've relaxed your mind, you've thrown open your arms to God. So just do that little bit. You see how broad the path is? So broad. But indeed, it is straight. It is very straight. Very broad and very straight. So there is no room for you attacking with your heart. There is no room for judgment. There is no room for attempts for you to contrast yourself with other people and set, you, set yourself apart 
and make them feel jealous or cut off or different or strange or unwanted. There is absolutely no room for criticism or condemnation or setting people right or dropping little hints. There is not even the room for one judgmental thought. To some of you, perhaps this has already become apparent. As you begin to see this place where you've allowed God to step forward and take you home, your holy relationship, whatever it may be, our relationships, where you've allowed it to happen, you will notice that if you just are washing the dishes and fantasizing some criticism, some judgment, if you're just washing the dishes and you are defending yourself in some way in a fantasy, just defending yourself, just saying, correcting someone or giving the right answer or making a better answer than you made in the past, You turn from the dishes and now there is distance between you and this child, this animal, this spouse, this friend. The path is straight. There is no attack in God. Not any. And if you attack in the slightest way, you have turned away from home and you have wandered at least a step or two back into the world. So be very direct. Set your eyes on God and walk toward God. Set your eyes on peace and seek the peace of your friends, the peace of your child, the peace of your home. Seek for your car to be peaceful. Seek for your meals to be peaceful. Seek for your clothes to be peaceful. Where does God not stand and welcome you? So broad, but very, very straight. So in the case of depression, you wish to do just what we have said about so many other things. Depression can be a problem to people on a spiritual path. Suddenly they start getting confused because all the meaning of the world begins to dissolve. When you begin to question the value of attack, then suddenly it'll be confusing for you simply to watch a football game. You won't quite know how to watch it anymore. You won't quite know what to do if someone shortchanges you, as someone did recently to me in a filling station. I didn't quite know what to do. So I said, this isn't the correct change. This is one of those places where you get a certain percentage back if you pay, pay cash. And I guess the, the man had simply run into a lot of people who didn't figure it. And I happened to have figured it. And I, so he did it again, and I said, well, that's still not correct. And he got very angry at me. He said, oh, all right. And then he gave me the right amount. <laughs> because this was, I don't know, this was his way of making a living or something. This was his extra amount of money. He probably had the whole thing mapped out. I frankly was confused. I didn't quite know what I should be doing in that case. I would have five years ago. I would have walked in and told his boss. And what would that have accomplished? Where was the peace in that? How would that help him go home to God? For me to get him in trouble. To try to get someone in trouble will not help them and it will not help you. If that's, that's the reason you're doing the thing. And so you will feel this confusion. 
you'll be confused as to what to do. The world will become more and more confusing. And therefore, you will have to turn to a spiritual direction if you're to get out of the confusion. But what can happen is you can let the confusion slip into depression and then the whole thing can can take on a life of its own. Don't let this ha- happen, my friends. <clears throat> Excuse me. Don't let this happen. It's not necessary. So what do you do if you find that a chronic depression is beginning to develop, if there's a, a set now, a fear, a fear set? And I realize some of you are in this state. Some of you haven't yet reached it. One of the things that you can do is that you can seek a situation in which you are being helped. You will need more and more help and not less and less as you get closer to home. You will need more and more help. Not less and less. Because you will realize your oneness. You won't necessarily need more and more help in the traditional ways that you sought help. But you will realize the utter impossibility of your doing anything alone. You have to have a sense of joining and help. And so you may have to seek therapy in this church from someone like David Poole or Marilyn Gatlin or John Huntress or Tui or any of the other people. If you're not in this church, someone that you know will not attack you in the least, who will be your friend, not just as long as the money lasts, but will be your friend and will help you because they recognize in you their brother and their sister. Because you've begun a spiritual path, do not think that you are now in a place where you should not seek help. You may, for the first time, be able to seek it and receive it. And so seek it. If you need help for your depression, if you need help for anything that is set in, some sort of fearful state that has set in, settled into your life, then get help. Go to a group. Get a couple of friends to surround you in light every day at the same time. Do anything that you need to do. Do it peacefully and do it calmly. So we might think of depression as sort of the state in which it settles down. The whole thing settles down. And you allow yourself any option. Remember how broad the path is. Change your diet. See if it helps. Start jogging a little bit. Not insanely. Lord. See if it helps. You see before you an insane, former insane jogger. (laughs) A little jog. You see that people, this is what happens. Something suddenly is discovered that something's good for you. And I told you this story a long time ago, but I want to tell you it again. When Dr. Sham first came here from India, he hadn't run into the Western mentality a great deal, and someone came to him for a particular treatment of a particular ailment, and he uh, prescribed a little a little dill seed tea. He said, "Well, take a little dill seed tea. I think this will help." The woman came back. Uh, a week later, and he said, uh, oh, how are you doing? I can't mimic. I wish I could do the Indian accent like Tui came again. <laughs> how are you doing? Uh, and um, I'm, not, I'm not doing very well. I'm not, I don't think I'm any better. He said, well, have you been taking the Dell CT? He said, yes. Well, what else? Tell me what else you've been eating. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing? No, I've just been taking the Dell CT. <laughs> <laughs> And this is what we do. (laughs) 
Don't do it. Okay. So give yourself lots of options. Give yourself lots of options. Lots and lots of options. Seek help. If you need to, do something dramatic. Not something terrifying. It's something dramatic. Often this is a good thing if a problem has set in to do something quite dramatic, to show your mind that you mean it. As long as you are trying things, your mind is open to healing. There's a place where God can enter. You may not have asked for the healing yet, but at least the mind is open. It's when you stop doing anything and fall back into some sort of sense of hopelessness about the sexual situation between your and your spouse or chronic indigestion or bad temper or can't hold down a job or what whatever the problem may be it's when you when you or when it's just festering there that's when you're carrying this enormous weight and it's not necessary to do that Remember what you wanted to do for so many thousands of years, my friends. You have wanted to walk home to God. Do it now. Shed anything that is holding you back. Very, very seldom is this a person. So how else do we make the uh, the walk home eventful, special, spectacular? The ego wants to come along, do you see? It wants to come along on your walk home. Well, let me just walk until you get to the gate. I'll just go along with you. I'll show you how, how to have a good time at all this stuff, you see. So look at the ways in which the ego now has adjusted itself to your walk home. We've talked so many times about all these powers that people lust after. There is spiritual lust. Lust to write automatically. What's wrong with writing the way you ordinarily write? <laughs> Sit down and write the truth to yourself. It'll be ten times better than the automatic stuff you're getting. You know, <laughs> I'm not saying there's anything wrong with automatic writing. If this is a completely natural and fear-free activity for you, something that's a quiet part of your way home, then you know that. I'm talking about going out and seeking these silly things that we think are so important, that other people seem to do. Now, one that I want to address this morning, because this is a church based completely on A Course in Miracles, is this business of hearing a voice. If you do not look at what the Course is actually saying, you can think that it is urging you to hear a voice. And of course, it came from someone who heard a voice, and so there's this additional element that might be confusing. Notice that it first begins talking about the voice of the ego, and then uses the word voice in the sense of the voice for God. Nowhere does it tell you to sit down and and ask whether or not you're to get whipped cream on your pumpkin pie and that you're supposed to be instructed very carefully in this. There are people, my friends, who walk home to God without ever hearing a voice. Please understand this. 
they never hear a voice. A voice can be a temporary aid to some people. But for you to wish a voice in any way whatsoever, you are opening yourself up to all kinds of trouble. If there is a voice that very gently reminds you of the truth every once in a while, let it be. Do not try to increase it or turn up the volume or something. Don't write it down and go trembling to your friends and asking them, asking them, am I really set apart and special? Has God picked me as the next saint? That's what we're doing. How is this going to make someone feel? They're just going to be, if they believe it, they're just going to be a little scared of you. Is all because there's so much emphasis placed on this right now. Even those who do hear a voice, many of them, unfortunately, this has turned into the voice of the higher ego. There is no way you can test a voice and know that it's coming from either the higher ego or from God unless you are completely at peace and there is no ego involvement. If there is ego involvement, the higher ego, Edgar we have called him, Edgar can mimic the voice. There, even this business of do you come in Christ is not sufficient. Do you think that the ego who would tell you to get someone in trouble or to betray someone or to hurt a child would stop it not saying, yes, I come in Christ? Very good people, very gentle, good people have gone from hearing either no voice straight to Edgar or hearing a voice, but because of ego involvement, because they've wanted it to be something special, have started hearing the voice of the higher ego. And my friends, you can waste several lifetimes doing that. So let me remind you of what you already know. There are no words in God. There are no questions in God. There is no separation from you in God. God has never let you out of his. He loves you so much that he can't take his eyes off you. He has never let you out of his heart. He has never taken his arms, thrown them up in the air, and declared you a hopeless case. <laughs> so peace is the voice of God, whether words seem to accompany it or not. Seek your peaceful preference. Do not try to get a message. Let a gentle message come if it comes. But do not seek it. Walk home uneventfully. You do not need a special way to walk home. You do not need special powers or special things to happen to you. Once again, my friends, please remember how long you have wanted to go home. Now is the time to do it quietly, uneventfully. Just do it. You know the path now. My friends, you know the path now. It is so simple. You don't attack. You forgive. You turn to God as often as you can. You build your peace. You build your purity and you walk home. The way home to God is God. The way to peace is peaceful. The way to total and absolute harmlessness is harmless. There is no mystery about this. It is not complicated. It is not attended 
by dramatic events. Now is the time, my friends. Now is the time to walk home to your father. You can do this very, very quickly. Very quickly. Just do it. Every morning, see nothing else matters but that you walk toward God today, that you know peace today as best you can, whenever you can. Know who you are, where you are, and what you are doing. Who are you? You've said the word so many times. Now's the time to act on that knowledge, to be that knowledge. Who are you? Is this a game? Indeed it is. A happy, gentle, wonderful game. <laughs> and so make the walk happy and gentle without sacrifice and sadness and great meaning. Just walk home. Ask yourself during the day a thousand times, who am I? Where am I? What am I doing? This is, this is an insane question to the ego. Well, I know, I know where I am. I'm uh, mopping the floor. I'm uh, driving the car, typing the letter. where I am and that's what I'm doing ego says but look the ego doesn't even know that it doesn't even know that much it doesn't even know where it is it thinks it's sitting in the dispensable church or it's walking down a street or it's making a phone call and yet where is its mind it's off someplace in the future it's off someplace in the past it doesn't even know where it is Half the time, you don't even know where you are. What are you doing? Are you playing with your child? Or are you getting it over with? Are you apologizing? Or are you getting it over with with your spouse? Are you eating? Or are you getting it over with? What are you doing? If you are eating, eat. If you are sleeping, sleep. Don't decide tomorrow's problems. Sleep. If you are working, work impeccably. Gurdjieff? Gurdjieff. If you're washing the dishes, wash them impeccably. If you will wash the dishes impeccably, you will shorten the time in which all your brothers and sisters will go home. You will shorten the journey for every living thing if you will just wash the dishes with God, with peace, with gentleness. If you'll just say to yourself, I'm washing the dishes. And then wash them with God. Don't long to get to uh, 60 minutes or something. I'm going to ask you to do something that I don't usually ask you to do because this kind of thing can make people a little anxious and so forth. But it doesn't have to. I'm going to ask you to take the hand of the person next to you. You don't have to reach across the aisle. It's okay to reach across the aisle, but you don't have to do that. This is one of these new things that's come about. You know, people cannot hold hands without there being some sort of perfect circle being formed. <laughs> every, every single digit has to be safely in some other place. Um, now let's close our eyes together. If you feel that a hand is not held, let Jesus hold it. And please 
Let the Christ hold you. Indeed, we are safe. Indeed, the outcome is certain. We are going home. What is our part in this? Only to decide when. Only when. Decide now. Take this opportunity to see what you have wanted for so long and decide you will simply do it. In whatever way comes to you to do it, you will do it. And know that this decision is made in Christ, where two come together and decide together, there is Christ. Christ is the coming together. And so know you have decided this in Christ. Don't worry if there was any other thoughts, any doubts. Just know that in your heart you have decided what you wish to do. And decide now, never again to be confused about it. And remember, He is with us, and He holds us, and He blesses us all the way home.